love it when we do that. It's rare, but it happens. Yes, we're good. Um, and we're crime culture. We are. That's us. You're you, yeah. I'm me. And it's the end of the second week of Spooktober. How are we feeling so far? Um, feeling better now that Michael's surprise party is over. Mm-hmm. And also now that my computer didn't actually brick itself like I thought it did last weekend. Name a worse time. Like, name a worse time for your computer to just shit the bed. The pandemic. Yeah. But like, <laughs> okay. Name a second worst time <laughs> for your... You can't. You can't. Please don't. Um, everything is fine and nothing was lost. My uh, The technical explanation from Michael was sometimes things just don't work. And I'm like... Should be like that sometimes. Don't it, you love that from your in-house tech support? I don't. What's the point of paying to have in-house tech support? At which point Michael will say something along the lines of, I, you don't pay me, which, you know... I disagree. I pay you with my presence. So yeah. pay half the rent. That too. I do pay half the rent and I have to pay it today. Um, thank you for that reminder. Yeah. But yeah, no. So this is crime culture. That's Haley. I'm Hello. Caitlin. We both have our be- beverages. Haley, we do. if you would like to assume the position for the beverage. Uh, if you would like to see our beverage pick, you can oh, join shit. our discord. Uh, message us for the link and we will uh, send it to you. You have to be on the Patreon level and you can see our drink pick for the day. Okay. Oh, shit. I took a video by accident. Perfect. Maybe I'll include that one then. That was Perfect. entirely accidental. Um, well, today we wait. are going to be talking. What? Back to my computer. I don't know what was wrong with it, but you could say that it might, maybe it was haunted. <gasps> Ties into today. I yes. love you. I tried. I was like, I'm going to make a segue, but first we have to take a picture of our drinks. First we have to take a picture of our drinks. Oh, and we have to shout out uh, Cosmic Green Candles again. Yes. Uh, if you didn't listen to the beginning of the month, um, we got a giant box of uh, Cosmic Green Candles, and they all smell better than the last one. And um, if you would like to get your own candles... Go to CosmicGreenCandles.com, and they have a whole section of fall scents, uh, as well as all the typical flowery smells and stuff like that. But everything is fantastic. You named, you shouted out a few uh, flavors, a few scents last time. Please don't eat them. Please don't eat them. Um, What if you shouted out different scents every episode of Spooktober? I don't know that we got that many. I figure, different ones? like, doesn't have to be, it could be, like, one. All right, you named well, a one. few last time. Yeah, I mean, my favorite one's the Rosemary Sage. Yes. And uh, the one that I think we're burning currently is uh, Jasmine Moss. Yes. It is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is my current one that I'm in love with. So okay, go get that one and have okay. your house smell like my house. It's true. Haley, Haley's just basically an influencer. I am. 
and I my cats your, are being fed. <laughs> yes. I heard your cat feeder go off. Um, and speaking of influencers, that is the, no. Um, yes. All right. So today go. we are going to be talking about um, some haunted locations. And like you expect some places to be haunted, like cemeteries, sites of uh, battlefields, obviously um, abandoned asylums, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But today we're going to be talking about places that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be haunted. Okay. Like a high school or a library or a zoo. All right. Some of those unexpected. I will say my one of the buildings in my alma mater was like hella haunted because it used to be an orphanage. Um, okay. You know. You, That's what a lot know. of these are. You, it's you like we're there. Yes. I, I don't know why I spoke to you like. Like I'd never been to the campus before. Yeah. Yeah. I might have just been temporarily possessed. We'll see. Yeah. So I have 10 unexpected haunting locations uh, within the U.S. I know there's probably some uh, abroad, but Mm -hmm. I'm keeping it within the U.S. for this list so far. Maybe we'll branch out later on. Um, And I want to know if anybody listening has either been to any of them or if there is a random haunted location where you live. um, Let us know. Please let us know. We're on Facebook, and, Instagram, Twitter. Email us, crimeculturepod at gmail.com and message us for our Discord link and you can join our little Discord dis- uh, discussion group. So the first anything one... Anything can be haunted. Anything can be haunted. In fact... Even a road. Well, we're going to get to a road. Okay. Don't don't put the cart before the horse. I mean, technically, episode 27 put the cart before the horse. But this is a different, we're going to talk about a different road, but that's uh, towards the end. So the first one we're going to talk about is the Calcasieu Courthouse in that's Lake Charles, Louisiana. I had to look up twice how to pronounce it. Hell so we'll yeah, it's I not a fun name if you can't. It's spelled weird. Um, so it was built in 1912 in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and the Calcasieu courthouse has witnessed over a century of trials for people who have committed heinous crimes pretty much like any courthouse yeah one outlaw however is said to have never left tony joe henry born annie uh beatrice mcquinston uh was born on january 3rd 1916 her mother passed away from tuberculosis when she was a small child. So once she was old enough, Tony Joe worked in a factory to help support her family. Once her employer found out that her mother had died of tuberculosis, though, he fired Tony Joe for fear that she would expose the rest of the workforce to the disease. Okay. Which is crazy. I don't know if it, that's, if, is TB something that like lays dormant in your system and then could just like flare up? I don't know. I'm not a sure. I'm not sure about flare-ups, but I know because my grandma had TB. Um, that yeah, I know. Fun fact: she's she hella survived, but like, shout out to my grandma. I love you. Um, she had to be like sequestered, for lack of a better word. Yeah, in a yeah. sanitarium they called it, and oh, so shit. yeah, because that shit was contagious. Yeah, B A N A N A S. Yeah. So the so her employer fired her because he was like uh we can't risk anybody getting exposed to tuberculosis and uh, shutting still us doesn't down. seem legal though no it seems fucked and even worse when her father found out that she was let go from her job he beat her <gasps> yeah. no she's also a child not. working to okay. help support her family exactly yeah exactly you don't you don't 
lay your hands on a child, simply no. No. But you absolutely, like, that is not her fault. Yeah. So Tony Joe escaped her father's abuse, changed her name, and became a sex worker to help provide for herself. Oh, this poor kid. How old is she at this point? Um, I don't know exactly when she ran away, um, but in this next part, I think she's still in like her pretty young teens. So oh. while working in a brothel, a regular named Claude or Cowboy Henry, described as a down-on-his-luck prize fighter in some articles that I read, became very close okay. with Tony Joe. The two fell in love and they got married on November 25th, 1939. After their honeymoon in California, Cowboy was arrested for the murder of a San Antonio police officer, which had happened before they got married. And he was found guilty and sentenced to 50 years in a high security Texas prison, which a high security Texas prison in the late 1930s, early 1940s, probably not that great. Yeah. So desperate to break her husband out, Tony Joe recruited Harold or Archie Burks, an ex-con with knowledge of the prison's layout. She convinced mm-hmm. two teenagers to rob a gun store for a weapon, and she and Archie hiked, hitchhiked to Texas. On the way, okay. they encountered a traveler named Joseph Calloway. Tony Joe decided that they needed his car as a getaway vehicle, so she held him up at gunpoint and forced him into the trunk. Realizing her husband would need a change of clothes, she forced Joseph to strip so she could take his clothes. Things escalated quickly uh, once Joseph gave Tony Joe his clothes and she shot him in the head. Uh, Some reports say that he was tortured before he was murdered. This area is kind of like fuzzy. I don't know if she like went into this planning to like kill him to cover up stealing his car and his clothes. I don't know. Yeah, that's... Yeah, Rough. but nonetheless, uh, he was killed and his body was dumped in a ditch. Some places Damn. say that Arky, was, who was now afraid of Tony Joe, abandoned the plan mm-hmm. and took the car with him, leaving Tony Joe to hitchhike back to Louisiana and was arrested for Joseph Calloway's murder. Another story says that the two drunkenly boasted about the murder in a bar and were reported to the police. Who's to say? Not me. Either way. Tony Joe received three separate trials at the. Oh, I'm gonna fuck it up again. Calcasieu. <laughs> you got it. It's not. See, you're fine. It's not spelled the way it like it sounds. The Calcasieu <laughs> courthouse, and with each trial, she received a convin- uh, conviction and death penalty sentence. At the time, the method was hanging, but as she was awaiting her punishment, the state changed the uh, type of execution to be the electric chair. Damn. Four days prior Ow. to her death. Cowboy managed to escape from prison and see Tony Joe one final time. She was executed on November 28, 1942. Tony Joe Henry is the only woman to ever be executed by electric chair in the state of Louisiana. Wow. Yeah. Interesting fact. Women's rights and women's wrongs personified. Uh, Some visitors to the courthouse have reported hearing whispers and screams coming from the hallways. Occasionally, the courthouse lights flicker as if the electrical current is being disrupted or redirected by some other source. Oh. Visitors have also reported Uh. smelling the scent of what is believed to be Tony Joe Henry's perfume throughout the hallways, while others claim that certain areas of the courthouse reek of the stench of burning hair. (gasps) No. No, you hate that. Maybe she's just, like, doing her hair in the afterlife. The courthouse is on the National Registry of Historic Places, as well as the state's list of haunted places to visit in Louisiana. 
and Tony Joe's story was featured on season two, episode ten of Ghost Stories, that originally aired on August sixth, twenty ten. Good for her. Yeah. I mean, no, like she didn't do very many good things, but also like, damn, that that's a rough life. Yeah. That's just. I'd I'd haunt places too. Like, yeah, damn. Why not? The next one is the Honolulu International Airport. Okay. In Honolulu, Hawaii. Travelers who have passed through the Daniel K. Inoue Airport in Honolulu, Hawaii, have reported seeing an entity known as the Lady in Waiting, who is a blonde figure in a white dress, often appearing in places inaccessible to the public. She has been seen peering out onto the runway while standing at a gate. She is said to have fallen for a man who pledged to marry her, but then disappeared. Distraught with grief, she took her own life, but still awaits his return. There's also reports of toilet paper rolls that unravel on their own, toilet seats that slam down, and a ghost who sits on people's chests to make them feel like they're choking in the airport. You know, this seems a little dramatic. Also, I'm just gonna a lot of a lot of bathroom haunting is very moaning myrtle to me. Yes. Yes, actually, that's an excellent no notes. Yeah. That's an excellent point. Uh, but some travelers have even noticed a ghostly passenger appearing in the back seat of the airport shuttle in the middle of the night. There are uh-uh. other airports with spooky history, like the Denver Airport or Chicago's mm-hmm. O'Hare Airport, but maybe we'll talk about these at a later date. Maybe we'll do like a, a creepy airport oh, episode. That does sound fun. Yeah. Because there's oh, a lot. I love your ideas. Especially with like Denver, there's a lot to talk about. And there's Denver, a lot of mo- there's, and, and they're like, please talk about us. Exactly. Uh, there's like stuff in the airport that says like, yeah, we know we're creepy. Um, and <laughs> yep. Also, there's a lot of Mothman sightings at the Chicago airport. So that's fun. Catch me at the Chicago airport. Right. Uh, my next one is uh, the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago, Chicago, Illinois. Okay. Um, And this zoo did not start as a zoo. Between 1843 and 1859, the land on which the zoo currently sits and part of the Lincoln Park area itself was the Chicago City Cemetery. The cemetery was the final resting place for over 30,000 people, but was eventually closed because a cholera scare caused residents to fear that the bodies would spread disease into the nearby water supply. It's really close to the water, so I guess people thought, like, if there's 30,000 bodies under there, maybe it could, like, leach into the water supply. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know I'm how disease is familiar with a water supply. Yeah, I was about to say, and I don't know how water supplies work. So yeah. there we go. I do know from Toy Story that somebody poisoned the water hole, but that's all I yeah. know. I don't know how they got to be that way. So it's not easy to move a cemetery, believe it or not. The process to move that. all of the bodies was stopped on October 8th, 1871, the night of the Great Chicago Fire. Oh. Back then... Stone headstones were very expensive, so most people couldn't mm-hmm. afford them, and they would use... Today, they're still expensive. Yes, exactly. But back then, they uh, poor people would use uh, wooden markers. Well, mm. after the fire, thousands <gasps> of graves were unaccounted for, and oh there was... Yeah, there's no way to identify the that... bodies or where exactly they are. Didn't fucking occur to me. So they were left, and the city continued its plans to create a lakeside park. (gasps) 
No, that's so gross. Yeah. Don't do that. Did Arden. you not learn anything from like Native American hauntings and poltergeists? Disrupt those burial grounds. Like, you the moved fuck? the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. Absolutely not. So, no. art, artist and scholar Pamela Banos, after years of painstaking research, determined that as many as 15,000 bodies may remain in Lincoln Park today. <gasps> not just under the zoo, but also the ball fields, the grounds of the Chicago History Museum, and some of the wealthy homes along Lake Michigan. Holy shit. Yeah. You know, they should spread that news, though, a little bit more about it being under the wealthy homes, because maybe that's how we can afford a house. But also together or separately. It the the cemetery was uh the final resting place for over thirty thousand people. Fifteen thousand bodies are remaining, so they only that's got half about half. Yeah. Holy shit. That's so, it's also that's fifteen thousand people. It's think r- about that. Ripe for a haunting. You're asking for it at this point, and I don't use that term lightly. Yeah. So near the Lion House, guests, ha- guests and staff reported seeing a Victorian-era woman walking around and then disappearing. She has also allegedly been spotted, again, moaning Myrtle, near the women's mm-hmm. uh, bathroom. Um, mm-hmm. And you can see her in the bathroom mirror sometimes. There's flickering lights, doors slamming uh, throughout the zoo, not just in the bathroom. And staff have claimed to hear a man's voice commanding, get out at different places. I would leave. I would pay attention and get out. Yes. Also, I realized I forgot to turn my ice maker off. So you're not just going to hear kibble being dispensed. You might hear ice cubes being dispensed. Perfect. So many dispensing things. Yeah, no. Uh, Well, you can actually take a haunted history tour of the zoo on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights in the month of October. So if you are in Chicago (gasps) right now, look up if you can do a haunted tour of the zoo, which sounds really, really fun. I love zoos. I mean, yeah, they're problematic sometimes. The well-being of the animals, I get it, but yeah, you get to see cool creatures. So I like zoos. I like haunted things. This sounds like right up my alley. The next one, uh, I didn't think there would be a ton of information on this. Turns out, I spent the better part of a workday researching the story. So here yeah, we go. We're talking about the Hutchinson Public Library in Hutchinson, Kansas. Kansas? Yes, Kansas. Yeah. So the Hutchinson Public Library is said to be haunted by a former librarian. Ida Miranda Day Holtzfeld was born in Colony, Kansas on April 20th, 1888, and started working at the library in 1916 at the age of 28. She had previously been a teacher in Colony and Iola, I think is the name of the town, but at the library she made, get this, $75 a month well yes 75 dollars a month and got two weeks paid vacation all right what year is this i'm about to math 1916 yeah i want to know the inflation yeah i want to know what the inflation like i mean bitch like in in 1916 you mean to tell me and two weeks paid vacation the same thing that i get now Uh uh-huh the same thing that i get now like we're gonna we're gonna do that. We're really gonna like listen. This Are you is, doing fast math? So I'm doing no, I'm doing fast Googling. Do you really think I can do the math for that? Like, have you met me? Yeah, I don't um, know what the inflation rate is. Have you me. seen how blonde I am? No, there's a there's an inflation calculator. It's called in 
I don't know why it's called in 2013 dollars.com, but it does up to okay. 2023. Um, and they say, I use it all the time. Anytime in an episode where you hear me say what the inflation thing is, do not actually, you are free to think that I did it. Perfect. But this might have helped. What was Ida um, making? Ida was making $2,112.56 a month. That's you, like, you said, you did say a month, yes, right? Yeah. That's yeah. like, how much was it? 2,712 $2, Dude, that might be like close to what I make in a month. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I am currently calculating what we, what that salary would be to the, today. Yeah. And granted, I may not be doing this correctly, but because I am using my calendar app for the, I mean, my, no, I'm not using my calendar app, but I might as well be. I'm using my calculator app. Yeah. It's telling me that that is about $27,463.28 a year. That's insane. It's insane. It's not a little, to work oh, at a library. actually, it is above the poverty level. And but yeah, to work at a library and to get two weeks vacation. Yeah. And like that's, that's in back then money. Yeah. And this is However, in Kansas. And in Kansas. Yes, exactly. Like you're not, you're not going to be yeah. expecting to make, that. no, no. What I want to know though, and you, this might be teeing you up and I mean, I hope it is. Was she paid that much to deal with because they wanted her to be incentivized to stay to deal with ghosts? No. So, okay. Ida was paid that much to be the library director. From 1916 to 1925. And in that time, she achieved a lot. Kate Lewis, who previously worked as a marketing and communications at the library and researched Ida's story, said that in 1917, a year after she took the position, while uh, the library was undergoing a remodel, quote, Ida and her assistants cataloged and classified every book, a thing which was never done before. One of the best ideas which Miss Day had inaugurated into the system of management was the perfection of the reference arrangements, end quote. And uh, I don't remember my history as much. I don't know when the Dewey Decimal System started, but uh, to go through and categorize all these books was like a huge feat. Yeah, um, I'll say you got to be smart. Yeah. She also helped people find books when they came into the library and uh, mounted and classified 3,000 historical pictures throughout the library area mm -hmm. and in 1918 mm -hmm. she sent out books to soldiers who were fighting in world war one oh what yeah. a nice lady like that's the exact thing of like doing everything within your power to like help out like as a make library the world a better place yeah, as a library director you just make books accessible to as many people as possible yes so growing up yeah oh, go ahead she seems like a just like a really cool person yeah. Uh, growing up, I was always taught the library is a safe place. The library is a safe place. Like if you don't know like where to go, like you go to the library. Yeah. And that's it's it's people like her. That's why. Yeah. That That's why my boomer parents grew up. And that wasn't a derogatory way of saying it, but just like that they were from that generation yeah. that they grew up thinking that. And then that I grew up thinking that. And then like I will teach your kids that the library is a safe yeah. place as well. Um, And then also. Uh, the Dewey Decimal System was first published by Melvin Dewey. Um, Nerd. 
I don't know if he's related to Melvin Dew from Scooby-Doo, the live action Scooby-Doo movie. I'm going to guess probably not. (laughs) You never know. Uh, But that was in 1876. Okay. So So that was before this. But uh, good, like 40 years before. However, that shit still isn't easy. Yeah. But no computers or anything like that. You can't look at that. That's what I'm saying. You got those cards. Remember the cards? Oh, God. Do I remember the fucking cards? Um, If you don't remember the cards, pretend you remember the cards. Yeah. So in 1925, Ida took a leave of absence for a year to study at the University of Kansas and then resigned the following year. In 1940, at the age of 52, she married John Hopsfeld. In 1946, after the population of Hutchinson had doubled, a new larger library was built, uh, the one that's there now that we're talking about, and Ida returned to work as the library director. Tragically, okay. in 1948, Ida's husband and sister, Sarah, both died. Ida remained in Hutchinson for a few more years before resigning in February 1954 with plans to become head of the catalog department at the Tulare County Library System in Visalia, California? Yeah, the Visalia Ransacker. Yeah. Um, you know Visalia. So the following month, she was going to take this position. On her way... Okay. To her first day of her new job, Ida died in a car accident at the age of 65. No. Yeah. Yeah. She had gotten married. Not that that's like a qualifier, but you know what I mean? Like her life was just starting. Well, she got married and then her husband died and then her sister died. And then, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like her life was just starting. Like she, she still had so much to lit. Yeah. So Kate Lewis, uh, sorry, no, I skipped a a bit. On October 31st, 1975, an issue of the Hutchinson News included a story of library workers reportedly seeing and hearing a ghost for the first time. To this day, many eerie things have happened at the Hutchinson Public Library. Kate Lewis was one of the ones who experienced unexplainable things at the library, one of which was when she was uh, first given a tour of the basement and got chills, where she felt the hair on her head stand all the way up. Another experience Uh -uh. was while taking photographs with her seven-year-old daughter for a stuffed animal sleepover program. Oh, that's so cute. I know. The library is a safe place, even for stuffed animals. So they were walking around where the children's services supplies are, um, which included puppets and paper mache sculptures. And this is in the oldest area of the building, built in 1951. Lewis said, quote, I thought my daughter would be fascinated. Instead, she insisted that she didn't like the room and she said it felt scary. End quote. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. She Children had, know. Exactly. Children and dogs. Um, yes. She and had, cats. Yes. She added, okay. quote, she doesn't know about the library ghost. I didn't want her to be scared of the library. End quote. Lewis also said that her daughter didn't want to take pictures of the animals and just wanted to get out of there. So she really had like a really eerie feeling. Yeah. With no reason to have that feeling. That, because you know. Exactly. Kids know. The Hutchinson Public Library business manager, Tina Stropes, had a strange encounter in 2003. Stropes was working on payroll, adding up timesheets when her calculator started printing uh, $0.00 repeatedly. Stropes joked, Hmm. quote, we decided it was Ida Day wanting to get paid, but she didn't work any hours, end quote. The next month of doing payroll, Strope's calculator did the same thing, and she told Ida she wasn't working any hours, so she wasn't getting paid, and the calculator stopped. Creepy. No. Yes. No. Oh, my God. I mean, quite frankly, Ida, I don't blame you. Yeah, right? But 
On oh, another occasion, no. library employees. And, there's so many. Library employees Angeline Welsh and Rose Hale were working in the basement. Hale went upstairs when she returned and she heard Welch talking to somebody. Welch denied that she had said a word, but Hale heard footsteps leaving. Hale said the next day that she stopped below the stairs and saw a lady standing there. She did not know the woman's name, but when she later described the woman to another library employee, Hale was told that she had just described Ida Day. Since that time, another... Other employees claim that they have heard footsteps in the basement, and it became a shared joke whenever anything was misplaced or missing that Ida Day took it. Cute. Yes. There were other experiences, such as visitors being poked when no one was there, and some had feelings of being watched. The feeling that Ida Day returned to watch over the library and sometimes rebelled when she thought that it was not being run correctly was reinforced by the local paper. In the news story published when Ida Day resigned to take the job in California, the article stated, quote, she plans to retain ownership of her home and will eventually return to Hutchinson, end quote. Oh, my God. Yeah. <gasps> but what is, what? More, what is more quaint than, like, a library ghost? Like, I want a movie. It's cute. I like it. I want I an Ida it. Day movie. And she is mentioned, if you go to the Hutchinson Public Library website, scroll all the way down to the bottom. They talk about Ida Day. Oh, that's so they nice. Have, yeah, they have like the little story about her and stuff. And I mean, it's a library. If you're in the area, just pop in. Maybe yeah, have an go experience. See Ida. Yeah. Uh, next one is one that I have known about for quite some time. Never been. Um, but it is a restaurant in New York City called One If By Land, Two If By Sea. Have you heard of this I restaurant? Like I've heard. I, I, I don't know if I've heard of the restaurant or if. I'm just sitting here like one if by land, two if by sea, and I on the opposite shore will be. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Well, it is a very we'll see if I know it, it is a very upscale restaurant in the West Village of New York City. Uh, one okay, if so by I land, probably don't know it. <laughs> exactly. One if by land, two if by sea is consistently voted one of the top five most romantic restaurants in the world, and it has been featured in Forbes and Vogue, and offers either a three course a three-course prefix menu or a seven-course chef's tasting menu featuring items such as foie gras and beef wellington. Um, I do have to cheekily include that oh, no. in both 1998 and in 2005, it received largely negative reviews from the New York Times. Damn. In, two, in 2005. Don't say that. Then they're going to be like, Caitlin can't come in. In 2005, Frank Bruni criticized the food and said that the restaurant was too reliant on its ambiance and reputation. Ooh, yes. shit. Go Ooh, off. drag them. Go off. Um, I will say there is a spot on the corner of this block. Like if you're in the, in the West Village in this area and you're walking by one of my land too, if I see, continue down the block to the corner. There is an Indian Mexican fusion place called Taco Mahal. That has Ooh. incredible uh, naan and roti tacos. Ooh. You can get like a butter chicken taco. It is like fantastic. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. I could fuck so that up. So if you want like some cheap, good food that is like representative of kind of like fusion places in New York, go to Taco Mahal. You don't really need to go to One If I Land, Two If I See. If you want to pay for an overpriced dinner, check it out. Regardless. Its location at 17 Barrow Street holds a very rich history, like most of New York. Originally a carriage house with an accompanying barn in the 1790s, the building was owned by New York Attorney General 
Aaron Burr. Sir? Yes. He housed his coach and horses there until he lost most of his New York properties. Hmm, I wonder why. Following the infamous fatal duel with Alexander Hamilton. No, don't tell me how it ends. Oh, sorry. The building served many purposes over the years as a carriage house, firehouse, quote, a house of ill repute, end quote, mm-hmm. a silent movie house, and a string of different bars and restaurants. One mystery of the building is the tunnel that is underneath it. The tunnel is a straight line from Hudson Street, formerly the shore of the river, and it seems mm-hmm. to be similar to other passageways of the 18th century of like military construction. It is barrel okay. vaulted, entirely stone lined and brick roofed in what seems to be the very same brick and stone that was used to make the carriage house itself. So probably built around the same time uh, and possibly used to smuggle contraband and hide fugitive slaves on the Underground Railroad. Um, but it's still unclear who built it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's nuts. But lately at one of my land two, oh, if I see no. rumor has it that as many as 20 ghosts haunt the restaurant. It's not a very big restaurant, by the way. Um, A parapsychologist who has visited the restaurant believes that they are all from different time periods, but he says that they are all aware of each other, which I didn't even think about. Like, ghosts being aware of each other? That seems crazy. it makes sense. Like, they're on one astral plane, we're on the other. But even, like, if they're all from different time periods, are they still all in the same, like, plane? Like, that's pretty cool. And it is at this point that I would like to plug the CBS comedy, which is a remake of a BBC, I believe, comedy called Ghosts, where a girl inherits her great aunt's mansion and one thing leads to another and suddenly she can see ghosts. And it turns out there are quite a few of them and they all live in this mansion with her. Excuse me, you don't get and a, her husband. You don't get a palate cleanser this week. I'm not saying it's a palate cleanser. I'm saying if you want to know if ghosts are aware of each other, this provides some excellent information that is entirely real and not at all fictional. Okay. Well. You're welcome. I love you. Some people think that Aaron Burr himself is one of the entities that haunt the restaurant. There are also great stories about other spirits. One is a woman who dresses in a black gown who has been seen walking down the staircase but never up it. They theorize huh. that she broke her neck falling down the stairs. I don't know how they theorize this or who they think she is. Right? There's an entity who inhabits the office that a psychic claims to have had an encounter with. There is a ghost who is uh, believed to be a Ziegfeld Follies girl. Oh. Uh, the staff lights candles for her, which is very, very Aww, sweet. Oh, that's really I like sweet. That. Yeah. There's also the spirit of a man who likes to linger by the fireplace and one who likes to use the front door. Well, so they all have like their little areas that they are often seen in, which is, I think, is pretty interesting. In 2011, Eater New York spoke with general manager Roseanne Martino, who fully believes in the hauntings, saying, quote, I've had experiences, inexplicable experiences. I've been here for eight years and I've seen a lot. End quote. Some stuff is what you'd expect. Pretty textbook haunting type things like picture frames tilting machinery being activated by itself there's strange drafts uh especially by the bar flying plates oh my gosh flickering lights yeah that's usual and staff members will occasionally be pushed and when they turn around no one is there some waiters Mm. yeah this is even creepier though some waiters have also approached tables to serve entities that are seated for dinner so they see they they see a table with people sitting there they go to like serve them and then when they get to the table nothing's there 
That's absolutely not. I would quit. Yeah. In the uh, 90s, there were a string of incidents where women who were seated at the bar claimed that they had lost one of their earrings and uh, could never find them again. No. A couple of times this happened. Oh, that would make me so mad. (laughs) Another manager, Kirk Adair, described the restaurant like a forest. You know, there are creatures around you, but you don't necessarily see them. Maybe out of the corner of your eye, but for the most part, they remain hidden. End quote. Mm. I kind of like that quote. That's pretty cool. I do like it, but it is creepy. It is very like, creepy. Damn. But I think it's really cool. I'm a fan. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a pretty restaurant, but again, I think it's too expensive for me. And to be completely honest, I'm not really into fancy food. It's true. For my yeah. uh, anniversary, which will have just passed by the time we're record- uh, this comes out, uh, we're getting grilled cheese for dinner. Oh, but you're going to that, that one grilled cheese place, right? Yeah, the place we went to on our honeymoon. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. banging grilled cheese. Don't get me wrong, but like it's yeah, not it's like not, it's more than just like you know. It's not you the throw most romantic pan. restaurant in the world. I disagree. It's very nice. So, um, the next one is probably like one of the most well-known haunted ones on this list. It has been when you search like haunted locations in the U.S., this is on most lists, and it is the Saint okay. Augustine Lighthouse in Saint Augustine, Florida. I've heard of St. Augustine, Florida. It's supposed to be pretty. It's in Florida. Built in 1874, the St. Augustine Lighthouse is the largest brick structure in the city. In 1876, the Lightkeeper's House was added, and over the years, it was home to many lightkeepers and their assistants. One of the first was a man named Peter Russman. Uh, Rasmussen, sorry. Uh, He was known for his extreme care of the lighthouse and his love of cigars. And over the years, staff and guests have reported smelling cigars in the area. Oh, yes. And that's that's not I find that like, you know, that's not like as common of a thing. You know what I mean? Right. And I find that like, especially with um, hauntings, scent is a big thing. Like we talked about uh, smelling a woman's perfume, smelling the cigars, like smelling uh, burnt hair, like. Scent is like something that definitely lingers more and is definitely an indicator yeah. of haunting. Um, another weird, light keeper spooky. that died nearly a century ago named Joseph Adreyu has been spotted at the top of the lighthouse, lighthouse where he fell to his death mm-hmm. while painting the outside of the tower. Okay. Another story involves a relief lighthouse uh, keeper living in the home in the 1950s who reported hearing footsteps upstairs. He went to investigate, but no one was up there. The head keeper at the time was James Pippin, who served from 1953 to 1955 and was the last keeper to live in the light station, like the lighthouse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pippin initially lived in the keeper's house, um, as all the previous keepers had done, but he moved to the much smaller 1941 Coastal Lookout building, swearing that the, quote, the big house was haunted and he would not stay another night in it, end quote. Hell no. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Like, I don't trust it. No, thank you. I just, I simply don't. No, I won't be. The, I won't be visiting. Possibly the most well-known spirits of the lighthouse are those of sisters Eliza and Mary. The girl's father, uh, Heinzka Pitty, was hired to renovate the tower in the late 1800s. While staying at the property, the young girls were playing with a railroad cart that was used to transport materials back and forth to the lighthouse when the wooden board that was used as a stopper at the end of the rail track broke loose. 
And unable to jump oh, out in time, no. the girls fell into the bay with the cart, and it was covering them, and they drowned. Some have said that they've seen Eliza running around in a blue dress, the dress that she died in. One night in the dark lighthouse tower, a lone staff member was closing up for the night, and he heard giggling at the top of the tower. Thinking that he had left someone on top of the tower, he returned to find it empty. As he began to head back down, he heard the same giggling below him. Descending to the bottom, he once again found that no one was there. What During years. I don't want to hear fucking ghost children giggling. That sounds fucking terrifying. Absolutely not. I hate no. it. Mm-mm. During a day tour several years ago, a guest was exploring the maritime hammock trails and came upon a young girl in a Victorian outfit sitting on a bench reading a book. As she began to ask the girl a question, another group came from the opposite direction. Distracted by the group, the woman looked away for one moment and turned back to find that the little girl on the bench had gone. In a similar instance, a woman on a ghost tour approached another woman to compliment her daughter's behavior on the tour. Confused, the woman said that she had no daughter. The other woman then told her that the little girl that had been standing beside her most of the evening and um, there were no t children on the tour that evening. Hell no. no. I hate that. Absolutely not. Yep. Like, also, if you see a cute little child wearing a Victorian costume. Guess what? They're a ghost. You bank on them being a dead Victorian child. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely there's not. Other... No child wears a Victorian outfit. Right. There's other classic haunting events like chairs being moved, gift shop items going missing, or doors opening by themselves. Um, you know, the standard. The huge. <laughs> Ghost stores are a very popular way to see the lighthouse, as well as the rest of the city. There's like a lot of haunted locations within St. Augustine. And the website Ghosts and Gravestones has a lot more information on different encounters and more of the history of the lighthouse. So I would encourage you to check that out because there's a lot to talk about this lighthouse. But I have many more things Jesus. to get to. My next one is um, a more recent addition with um, more recent evidence. And this is Pocatello High School in Pocatello, Idaho. And um, almost as long as it's been around, there have been local rumors and urban legends about the hauntings at Pocatello High School. The school was built in 1892, one of Idaho's oldest structures, but was burned down in 1914. It was rebuilt the next year in the same location and received major remodeling in the late 1930s. Students have reported feeling like they were being hugged, uh, hearing voices in empty halls, and this has gone on for decades. Even mm. faculty have reported doors mysteriously closing, toilets randomly flushing. Some have witnessed uh, a figure down a hallway, which is something I never want to fucking yeah, see. Yeah, I never want to see that. No. Mm -mm. The auditorium and theater is another hotspot for supernatural experiences. A piano can be heard playing by itself, as well as strange voices coming from the changing rooms. And many students report feeling strange and avoiding going there after hours, which is like, that was my home in high school, was the no. auditorium. So yeah. I would be terrified. That No, I wouldn't go back in. That's no. absolutely not. When the old science class skeleton, which was made from real human bones, that's a real thing that used to happen. You would get, a, like, the class skeleton would be made of human bones. Uh, when it was replaced with the new plastic model, the bones of the old one were found in strange places all over the school. Yeah. No. Terrifying. Absolutely not. I, no. 
Mm-mm. This is this is it seems this like is an if excellent case for homeschool. It seems like if you're going to retire a skeleton made of like real human bones, real bone, you would like dispose of that. Not dispose. You would um, re- do something respectful with those bones. Maybe they then get to be laid to rest because I mean, presumably the bones are from somebody who donated their body to science. Mm-hmm. And this is like mm-hmm. one of the things it goes to instead of just like keeping it around the school. Yeah. You just to, like, you hang do something out? respectful with yeah. it. Like it's not, it's, it ain't that deep. Like also, it, I don't want to be walking around in my school and find a random human bone somewhere. You like, absolutely, no. nobody, nobody should, that shouldn't be something that you need to think about. Am I going to like no. turn around the corner and go into the cafeteria and find a human bone today? Like that's not something that you should be expecting. No. Well, the misplacing of items continues uh, even today when a group of paranormal investigators had some of their equipment go missing only to be found later in places not accessible without a tall ladder. Absolutely not. That means the ghost no. is tall and I don't like that. Either the ghost yeah. is tall and the, do- the ghost can float and either way, I do not agree with this. Hate. Many people believe that the school's ghost is the spirit of a girl who killed herself in the school sometime between 1930 and 1950. It's believed that the girl made a suicide pact with a friend, and the next day she hanged herself from her locker. Oh. However, the friend didn't go through with it, and some say that they can still smell the strong scent, again, another scent thing, of mm-hmm. the girl's favorite perfume lingering in the air at random times. Wow. Others have even reported seeing an apparition of a young girl wandering around the hallways. Although the story of the girl hasn't been confirmed, there have been at least six confirmed deaths at Pocatello High School, including a boy who drowned in the pool. Oh, my God. I didn't, I didn't know that. I don't think my, my high school has a single death on the record. I don't know. I don't know That's if mine scary. does. That's I scary. Didn't, I didn't even think of that. That's terrifying. Yeah, you don't really think, like, how many deaths does your school have? Yeah. Oh, I don't have it on the list, but one day we'll talk about all the uh, iffiness with uh, Disney World. Oh, my God. And how so no many. one technically dies within the confines of Disney because they, they don't pronounce you dead until they They do that thing. Out. Well, and there was just, it wasn't a death, but there was just that issue with the woman who went down the water slide. Did you hear about this? Did she get, did she get is that the one that got the atomic wedgie? maybe it was certainly fucking atomic her intestines came out because yeah the article that i saw the headline of the article was literally like ha ha she got a really bad wedgie on this yes that's how it's all it's it's another it's literally turning into another like mcdonald's contents are hot situation because yeah they're like even disney pr is like lol she got a wedgie she is rightfully suing because literally she had her intestines come out because you don't so on this particular water slide i guess the safety thing is you have to either cross your legs or wear shorts and Mm -hmm. disney is cutting costs and therefore cutting corners and they got lax about allegedly um they got lax about these safety trainings and like with the staff and with the visitors of the park so nobody told this woman that she needed to do this she oh, didn't shit. know she needed to do this. And the next thing you know, yeah. I hate. I know. I'm so fucking mad on her behalf because also now she's being turned into a punchline. Yeah. Fuck that. Mm-mm. Well, that's a, that's content for a different that's episode. A, yeah. So 
Pocatello High School first became the subject of public attention in the paranormal community when security camera footage from December 2014 was released. The video shows a shadowy figure moving from a bench into a bathroom and then out into the hall, all while lights are flickering. And this is while the school was on winter break and nobody was there. Oh, my God. You can find the footage on like YouTube and stuff. It's fucking wild. Paranormal experts have called the video, quote, one of the most authentic they've seen, end quote. Mm -hmm. And in 2019, the school was featured on the first episode of the 13th season of Ghost Hunters. Oh, shit. Yeah. Although not the reason for the haunting, three Pocatello High School students were involved in a deadly stabbing on September 22nd, 2006 oh that I thought God. I'd just like talk about real quick. 16-year-old Cassie Jo Stoddard was pet-sitting for her uncle and aunt's three cats and two dogs. Around 6 p.m., her boyfriend, Matt Beckham, came over to the house, and they were soon joined by other classmates, Brian Draper and Tori Am- Amedic. They were going to say Amos, Cass- and I was like, damn. <laughs> friends in um, my places. Cassie gave the, f- the friends a tour of the house, and they all hung out in the living room and watched Kill Bill Volume 2 together. Brian and Tori left before the movie was over, saying, quote, they wanted to watch a movie at their local movie theater instead, end quote. Doesn't make any sense to no. me, but sure. The boys returned to the house a little while later, dressed in dark clothing, gloves, and masks. They entered the house through the basement door that Brian had unlocked while Cassie was showing them around. They intentionally made loud noises in the basement to lure the couple down, quote, so they could scare them, end quote. Mm-hmm. When they weren't successful, they found the circuit breaker and turned off the power to the house. Still, Cassie and Matt did not go to the basement, so they turned the power back on. Matt noticed one of the dogs looking down the stairs and sometimes barking or growling. That and the power outage made Cassie nervous, so she asked Matt if he'd stay, the, stay over the night. Aww. He called his mom to ask, and his mother denied the request, but offered to have Cassie stay at their house and drop her back off the next morning. But feeling responsible for the house and for the pets, Cassie declined. Around 10.30 yeah. p.m. Yeah. Around 10.30 p.m., Matt's mother picked him up and Cassie was left alone. Matt called Tori's phone to find out where he and Brian had gone. And when Tori answered whispering, Matt assumed that they were at the movie theater. In reality, they were still in the basement and oh heard Matt God. leave. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is my nightmare. This is yeah. like my literal nightmare. They turned the power out again, and still Cassie never went down the stairs. Brian and Tori made their way upstairs with weapons. Brian had a dagger-type blade, and Tori had a hunting knife that he had purchased at a pawn shop. Brian slammed a closet door at the top of the stairs to scare Cassie, who was sitting on the couch. Mm. The two went on to stab her 30 times, with 12 (gasps) wounds considered fatal. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, this poor kid. Yeah. Holy shit. For no fucking reason. Yeah. It sounds like Scream. Yeah. Well. No. Brian and Tori were arrested on September 27th and charged with first degree murder and conspiracy to commit first degree murder. During the investigation, police found videos and uh, that show the boys planning the attack. So they did plan this. Fucking assholes. They both immediately blamed each other, of course. Of course they did. Um, Cowards. During their interrogations. And at the trial, it was revealed that they had been inspired by the Columbine shooters and the Scream movie franchise. Oh, shit. Yes. They were both uh, convicted and given life in prison without the possibility of parole. Good. More than just the school might be haunted in this town, though, by the way. Oh. In fact, 
Pocatello might just be the most haunted town in the state of Idaho. Oh, shit. For more information on this, you can read the book Ghosts of Pocatello, uh, Haunted History from the Gate City by John Bryan. It has a 4.2 out of 5 on Amazon and a 3.4 out of 5 on Goodreads. Uh, my next one, I think I have, yeah, two in a row are music venues. Okay. The first being First Avenue in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And this is one of the longest-running, independently-owned and operated music venues in the country. Oh. Which is pretty cool. That's really cool, yeah. Prior to being a music venue, though, the location was a bus stop, and that's where the local legend begins. It said that a woman was waiting at the bus depot for her husband to come back from World War II. She had learned that he had died in combat, and distraught with the news, she went to the women's restroom and hanged herself. Again, with a woman's restroom. This is like kind of a running theme I'm finding. I didn't even think about that. You're right. She has been seen in the ladies' stall or even dancing in the main room in a green army jacket. Mm -hmm. But when they see her dancing, she doesn't have any legs. (gasps) No. Terrifying. I hate that. But then some people do see her with legs because there are other reports of um, the woman wearing bell bottoms, which technically wouldn't have been in style at the time. And... um, the venue opened in 1968, so it was like, hmm. eh, I don't know if that one really makes sense. But anyway. Maybe it was somebody, so a, some other ghost? Maybe. There's a YouTube video with a local paranormal radio host who went to First Avenue with a psychic, and when they got to the bathroom, she said she saw a woman there, and there was blood on her. And that would be unusual for a hanging, but... The entire suicide story is um, an urban legend anyway. Oh. It's not corroborated by well, any newspaper I mean, clippings. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's also claimed that a woman died in the restroom from a drug overdose. So, like, oh it's, this is where the urban legends get kind of, like, fuzzy. Yeah. However, the psychic did say that she saw a spirit pulling the hair from a nearby employee. And when they asked the employee about it. She said she often felt someone pulling at her hair in the building and just always thought it was her imagination getting the best of her. Hell no. Yeah. No. Uh, There's another urban legend that prior to the bus depot, the building was a slaughterhouse and some claim to hear the screams of animals being killed in the basement. I hate that. I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm okay without that one. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I can... I'm happy to let that one. I'll do without it. Yeah. My next one is the Cincinnati Music Hall in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm -hmm. So according to the Cincinnati commercial, the newspaper, quote, the site occupied by the buildings is none other than the old Potter's Field, which formerly extended west beyond the bed of the canal and which was abandoned to other uses about 35 years ago. When the canal was cut through the soil, enriched with human remains and sown with human bones, about 100 skeletons had to be removed and committed to the already overcrowded place of nameless graves now covered by the buildings, end quote. Oh, shit. I'm going to quote this uh, newspaper article several times because they have a way with words. <laughs> um, but that's not even the worst tragedy that happened on this site. So the Moselle, it was a steamboat built in Cincinnati and was among the largest and fastest boats of the time. On April 25th, 1838, the Moselle left Cincinnati for St. Louis with about 250 to 300 passengers on board. Mm-hmm. The boat's boilers exploded and everything forward of the paddle wheels shattered into splinters. Oh, my God. 
more than 150 passengers and crew died. Oh, my God. Holy shit. The Cincinnati commercial goes on to say, quote, when the steamer Moselle exploded her boilers above the site of the present waterworks and blew the skulls and limbs and blackened trunks of her passengers all over the city so that falling bodies fell through the roofs of houses, the remains of victims were gathered together and buried in a spot now covered by the south end of the horticulture hall, end quote, which is part of the Cincinnati Music Hall. Yep, that's a way so with words. The ground, yeah, yeah, like I said, the grounds of the Cincinnati Music Hall have been used as pretty much a graveyard for many different years. Um, even close to 40 years later, any excavation of the site has turned up with skeletal remains. Mm-hmm. An elevator shaft sunk in the power hall required the removal of more than a barrel full of skulls and bones, <gasps> which were, quote, placed under the floor in another portion of the building. Oh, my end quote. God. What yeah. the fuck? And as if it couldn't get any worse, the commercial noted, in addition to a potter's field, the site of the exposition buildings was also an orphan asylum and a Civil War military hospital. It's like fucking haunting bingo. Yeah, it is. Quote, not a foot of ground lies under the exposition building unoccupied by moldering bones, human bones, which the ringed worms have long since tired of gnawing. It was, of course, natural enough that the ghost disinterred from the bed of the canals and the ghost claiming kinship with the bones disinterred to make room for the elevator should cease to rest. End quote. I'm telling you, this article is like gnarly. That's yeah, that is vivid. So the buildings were demoed in the late 1870s to build the music hall. And even back then, watchmen of the building have reported strange happenings. Mm-hmm. In an interview, one said, quote, the weirdest and strangest noises would occur at intervals at intervals all night. Rappings on the ceiling, under the floor, on the doors and the windows, the sound of stealthy footfalls behind me or of loud trampling before me, the crash of heavy timbers thrown from the ceiling, of glass dashed upon the floor, of heavy bodies being dragged over the planking. These never ceased except during exposition time. End quote. Huh? Yeah. That would make me fucking quit. Yeah. 100%. And although this man never saw a ghost with his own eyes, he said he felt their presence frequently. Quote, they never touch me, but I always know when they are around by an icy chill, a thrill of electricity, a feeling of what the French call pio de pont, goose flesh. Uh, They never annoy me now, but by mere knocking and rapping, for I have gotten used to it. So, so used to it that sometimes when people have uh, really knocked at the door. I didn't open it because I thought it was only the dead that keep knocking, knocking, knocking. Oh my God. Mm. Right? It's crazy. It's possible that some bodies remain on the site even to this day. Although many skeletons were moved to Spring Grove, not all of them were. Excavation, uh, excavations in 1927 uncovered three coffins which were reburied in the basement. Another 1927 expansion uncovered 65 graves, earning the side of the music hall the nickname, quote, Valley of Death, end quote. Well. Those remains were also reburied on site. In May 1988, another elevator shaft uncovered 207 pounds of bones encased in concrete. And these bones ended up at the anthropological study at the University of Cincinnati. 
oh my, what the fuck? Like this, this one, is... Yeah, this one is wild with the amount of like body parts they found at this That's place. That's what I'm saying. Like, not bodies, body parts. parts. Like, yes. something yes. about that makes it worse. Yeah. Uh, I also just got a notification that my headphones might die. Oh, shit. So we're going to get through this last one, <laughs> my very last one. And this is the road that I promised. Okay. Uh, episode 27, which was our first Spooktober, it we was. talked about, we took, a, we took you live yes, on did. a haunted road. Um, but if you want a different haunted road, we're going to talk about Route 2A in Aroostook County, Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know if this road is any more haunted than the one that we drove down from our Spooktober episode. Yeah. Um, but there is a song written about this one. Oh, okay. So main country singer and former truck driver, mm-hmm. Dick Curlis. Great name. Wrote Dick, yeah, I love it. He wrote uh, A Tombstone Every Mile about oh, Route 2A in Aroostook County, Maine. Uh, this 44-mile or 71-kilometer road in the northern part of Maine near the New Brunswick border runs through the Haynesville Woods and is known to be extremely dangerous in some areas, including a 90-degree turn buried deep in the woods. Okay. This road was built before I-95, and back in the day, it was heavily used for trucks transporting Maine's potato crop down to Boston. In bad weather and in the dark, many truck drivers lost their lives on this stretch of road, and there are still many accidents there to this day. Holy shit. Yes. There's a very bad section of the road. Yeah. Um, but in, but the truck drivers aren't the cause of the hauntings. According to uh, the first legend that I have, a young couple on the day of their wedding suffered a car accident on Route 2A. The husband died and instantly. But the bride managed to survive and oh, escape shit. the wreck. Oh, my God. She, that's horrific. Yes. As she wandered down the winding road, she succumbed to the cold and froze to death. Oh, no. Some travelers. Yes. I was like, oh, she, she this survived. Is, oh. This is a legend, too. We don't have any names or dates or anything for this. Okay. Um, but some travelers claim to see the young woman running down the road in a panic. And when they stop to ask if she needs help, she said that there's been an accident and her husband needs help. But... Um, she disappears once they reach the end of the road. Nope. Don't Another like similar story involves a young girl that disappears when a driver stops to offer help. Mm-hmm. It's unclear exactly who this is, but according to reports, on August 22nd, 1967, two 10 year old girls were struck and killed by a tractor trailer while walking down Route 2A. Oh my God. And if you want to do a, a Google map drive down this road, mm-hmm. it's not something, it's not a road where two 10 year old girls should be walking. No. Uh, there's also one more legend of the Flesher Witch. In the 1800s, John Wilcox, his wife, two sons, and daughter Annie settled into an area now known as the Haynesville Woods. Mm-hmm. Annie soon began to complain of scratching at her window, but John investigated and found nothing. As time went on, Annie began to complain about her blankets being ripped off at night, hearing whispers and feeling bites all over her body. Holy shit. One night, she even received deep gashes in her face. (gasps) She claimed to her father that an old woman with a face that looked like melted wax had done it to her. Oh, you know what? If you said my face looks like melted wax, I'd fucking do that to you, too. You you respect your elders. Like, fuck no. Well, a month later, Annie went missing. Oh, shit. I take it back. Her body was eventually... 
Her body was eventually found by a no. group of hunters in a brutal scene. No. The skin of her face peeled no! off. No. And she was next to a woman with facial deformities. <gasps> yeah. Side note, uh, I'm not really into horror stories that get shock value out of disabilities, physical deformities, or clear uh, mental health emergencies. So Same. like, yeah, I'm just saying it because this is the legend of this area. But like when we do uh, creepypasta stuff, like that's not the kind of no, you won't you won't catch really, much of that. No, not really into it. So unless it's like that was not the revenge because people are mean yes. to them, in which case, like, go off, go get yeah. them. So that was not the end of the tragedies for the Wilcox family. Jesus. Uh, the mother hanged herself. Understandable. The two brothers died in a freak swimming accident. Oh, man. And finally, John, driven mad with grief, scratched the skin from his face <gasps> and disappeared into the Haynesville woods, never to be seen again. Oh, oh, no, no, yeah. no. That's the world. Mm. To this day, hikers and campers report seeing a young girl with a melted face running through the woods. All right. When children and pets go missing, the Flesher witch is blamed, and those lucky enough to return always are found with deep scratches on their bodies. Absolutely not. Fucking terrifying. And that is why you don't have outdoor kitties. No. Kitties stay indoors. And that is my last uh, spooky location. What a way to end it. What a way to end it. Good God. But we do want to end with a palate cleanser. Please. My palate cleanser, I believe I mentioned it to you. I don't think I mentioned it on here yet. Um, it is a limited series on um, HBO called Station Eleven. Did I mention it already? I don't know if you've mentioned it on here. You've mentioned it to me. It's very good. It's like a dystopian, but also kind of sci-fi, but like mm -hmm. really, really good. I like that it was a mini series and it like it told its story from beginning to end. Yep. And like there are some people that are like, but season two, I was like, it doesn't need it. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's really good. It's such a good story. Uh, it's like ten episodes. Super simple to get through. I highly recommend it. Station Eleven. It's on HBO Max. Whatever. Whatever it is, it is now. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Go off. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, other than that, we mentioned it before, but uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Message us on any of our socials for the link to our Discord. Mm -hmm. uh, we do little spoiler alerts on there. We uh, share other spooky stories that we've found. We share pictures of our pets. We share good news with each other. Yeah. It's a fun community over there. It's a fun time. Uh, so message us and we will send you the link for that or email us, crimeculturepod at gmail.com. Um, uh, go and get yourself some cosmic green candles. They all smell incredible. Can confirm. And with that, what is this? Thursday? Uh, yeah. Yes. So we will see you Morning. next Tuesday. <gasps> I love it when that works out. Yeah. Happy Spooktober. Bye. Bye.